0: Hi, I'm Dan Axe, president of Undertone, a unit of Perion Networks. I'm very excited today to bring you a guest, Nicole Muscatello. Nicole is a vice president of sales at Undertone. She embodies everything that is uh, great about the ad tech industry and Undertone in particular. And I'd like to give you a chance to hear her view about the future of our industry. But first, Nicole, a bit about yourself, please.
1: Yeah, thank you, Dan. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Um, So as you mentioned, I'm Vice President of Sales at Undertone. Um, I started my career in advertising in a little bit more of the traditional sense, so working on the publisher side as well as in custom content. Um, But for the last six years, I've been here with you all at Undertone, um, and I've been tackling the ad tech industry together.
0: You choose advertising as a career?
1: Yeah, I mean, I love the creativity that this industry allows us to kind of bring to our day to day job every single day. But at the same time, it's very social, it's very fast paced, and allows us to, you know, be really creative in the ways that we solve business problems for a lot of our clients. So I love the challenge of working with our partners every day, identifying, you know, things that they need to do to evolve their businesses to go a little bit further, helping them find that solve, and then seeing their business grow as a result.
0: Uh, that's a worthy way of looking at things. How'd you find your way to Undertone?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, we always say referrals is where we find some of our best talent. And I was actually a referral myself. So one of my great friends from college, a colleague in one of my advertising classes was working at Undertone a couple of years ago on our client partner team. Um, She always raved about the company culture and how innovative the product was and asked me to give it a try. I was previously on the publisher kind of side of advertising, working with custom content, representing, you know, single publishers. So the ad industry was completely new to me the whole idea of being able to reach massive reach and scale with um, a network of publisher sites was really intriguing so I made the jump and six years later here we are
0: six years long time obviously Mm -hmm. a successful one Mm -hmm. tell us a bit about the steps you've taken in your career because obviously if you're here of six years things must be going well Share a bit about your what you've done here.
1: I've been very lucky to have incredible leaders and mentors at Undertone throughout my entire career that have helped advocate for myself and my career growth. So I started first as an account executive on the New York sales team, working directly with our partners in this market, then moved into a management role working with a select group of New York sellers. And then my previous role was regional vice president of sales for the New York team. So leading our team of 15 incredible sellers into this market and working directly with our brands. Um, my current role is vice president of sales at Undertone. I work with a couple of different markets, including. New York, New England, the Midwest, the Rockies and Canada. So I'm excited to take on this new challenge. And again, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity that our leadership team has given to really show myself and other people at this organization really awesome career growth.
0: Wow, incredible career growth and I'm glad that you're contributing as much as you are. Mm -hmm. Some of our viewers may not know much about Undertone. Mm
1: -hmm. So why don't we
0: just take a few minutes and just tell us a bit about Undertone itself. What is Undertone?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we're leaders in the high impact digital ad space. So what that means is we're creating memorable experiences across all screens and devices. We've really orchestrated a way to take the art and science of advertising and put it in front of our consumers in a way that is able to engage them and drive meaningful uh, brand objectives.
0: You deal with agencies primarily and some brands as well as i understand but what makes a really good partner to an agency mm-hmm. and a brand what distinguishes someone in the ad tech industry.
1: Mm -hmm. Innovation is definitely key in the forefront of all of this. I think our brands and partners are always looking for um, partners that can allow them to be creative in the way that they're tackling new solutions, new mediums, new um, targeting strategies, et cetera. So they're looking for someone to help them lead the charge and help them test and learn in the marketplace. So innovation is definitely key. Another thing is creative. There's tons of ads out there and you're seeing millions and millions a day. So how do we make them stand out? And I think working with a partner that is allowing them to kind of create those experiences is definitely key for for results.
0: Let's talk about the future. I, I see from where, at least where I sit, we're on an exponential curve in terms of change. It's on this part of the curve. It feels like every day the ad tech industry is accelerating something new every single day. So I'd love your perspective on some of these trends that are having major impacts on, on the business and what you see in the marketplace, because you talk to brands and, and agencies on a daily basis, Obviously, on everybody's mind is, and everyone knows this, cookie deprecations going away. What's going to happen out there with, you know, Mm -hmm. this loss of this targeting vehicle?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cookies is a huge hot topic right now in the industry. And I think one thing that we've, you know, continued to see is the deprecation of cookies from Google being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So while I'm not confident this will happen in 2023, there is one thing that is, is, you know, really, really key to happening and change right now. And that is user privacy. So I think first that's going to start from a regulation standpoint. So we're already seeing other states starting to mimic what was done with CCPA. Um, We've seen New York, we've seen Colorado, we've seen Michigan, Virginia, Illinois and Pennsylvania already start to work on some legislation that's going to be put in place that will deprecate the cookies before the users can even give the consent. Um, But secondary like In addition to that regulation, I think what's extremely important is that users are finally starting to raise their hand and say, hey, I care about my privacy. I understand that right now there's a trade-off between personalized ad experiences and my privacy. And about 70% of those users are saying, I would prefer my privacy. So what's a way that we can do that and and protect their privacy, but also give them this personalized experience that is going to drive results? So I think there are going to be two winners and losers in this space. I think the winners are going to be the ones that are creative in the ways that they're able to um, create you know non or privacy compliant solutions that are also able to drive results. So this is being done from things like, you know, AI driven models is identifying non personal identifiable signals on the within the brand within the publisher's ecosystem to find those users and then also contextual I think we're also seeing a couple of you know other players come into the space with unique IDs um, and ways that they're able to find consumers without the cookies. But a lot of those rely on email addresses, and you know, in my opinion, email addresses without your own consent is is not privacy. Also, email addresses are only collected by some of the biggest publishers in the industry. So. You know, in that turn, you're really only supporting the large behemoths in the space. And you're not giving way for some of those smaller publishers, the independent owned, minority owned to really make a difference. Um, So I think those that are able to rely on some of those AI driven tactics, um, tap into some of those, you know, privacy compliance solutions and contextual are going to be the true winners. Wow.
0: You know, agencies typically deal with demographics. They've been doing that, you know, since there was media. Traditionally defined sex, age, and when the internet came, they added browser history to that. Do you think agencies will be able to move away from that very traditional way of thinking about it and move towards you know, what Undertone is offering, which is sort? Can you explain how sort works and how it impacts this thinking about marketing against internet histories and, and traditional demographics?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's going to be a a tough transition for a lot of the agencies to move away from that traditionally, I would say, you know, proven success of the cookies. But the only way that they're gonna do that is if they have another proven tactic they can do that is privacy compliance. So what we're doing with Sort, which stands for Smart Optimization of Responsive Traits, is we're using our AI-driven model to find users across um, our publisher network that don't just look alike, they act alike. So our um, our tech is analyzing a variety of different signals as soon as a publisher lands on our page. These are things like like user signals, such as whether they're on desktop and what device they have. External signals, so where they're located and what the weather is in that location. And then proprietary signals, so things that we know about how our specific high impact ad units perform with certain audiences, as well as how the verticals perform as well. And then we're reaching those users, that group of intenders, with an ad that we have proven data to show that this type of intender is going to convert on this. So I think proving the results which we have with Sort is a great way to get the agencies to start kind of moving away from some of those third-party tactics, even when they're readily available still. So
0: Sort actually has higher performance than cookies do. Now, I don't know if that's because cookies are awful and sort's just better or sort is actually ingenious. But it seems to make sense that if you're looking at someone on a Mm real-time signal, Mm -hmm. that you're actually enabling the power of the internet as opposed to trying to use histories which suggest, I bought a pair of shoes a month ago. Mm -hmm. I must be ready for a pair of socks now, Mm -hmm. which is essentially the way, you know, cookies work. Mm -hmm. So it seems to make a lot of sense. Now, the question is, is the future going to be these solutions that rely on some amount of user data, or Mm -hmm. the completely privacy one that has zero PII, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I guess Sword is the one that has zero PII and Undertone's betting on that. That's just fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Let's turn about another huge trend that's going on. Uh, You can't talk about digital advertising without talking about uh, CTV. CTV is growing like crazy. It went from nowhere, it's close to a $20 billion market Mm -hmm. now
1: call what's happening
0: why all of a sudden the you know this this enormous trend towards connected television
1: yeah. So I think eMarketer said last year there was 21 billion invested in CTV, and they're expecting that to grow to 37 million by 2025. So the growth is there and CTV is a very emerging topic right now. I think that started in the pandemic where users you know, were looking for new ways to consume content and actually put that TV-like experience kind of in their control. Also, at the same time, CTV has the reach and scale of linear, but the addressability of digital. So it's definitely something we're seeing kind of continue to be at the forefront of all the conversations we're having in market.
0: So what problems is the CTV industry still seeing that has to be resolved at this stage in order to make it basically, you know, become way bigger than linear TV? What do you what do you see out there that's still troubling? I
1: think it's how to buy CTV. So a lot of people don't necessarily know right or yet where this fits into their marketing mix. So is this budget coming from digital? Is this budget coming from linear? I think at the introduction of CTV, we were seeing that a lot of this budget started to come from our digital buyers. So taking some online video strategy and and some of that, those tactics and putting it into the CTV space. Now we're slowly just starting to see adoption from our linear teams who are looking at this really as just another way to buy TV. I mean, CTV lives on the biggest screen in the household, the television. So I think, we're going to start to see more and more growth as those linear buyers start to tap into some of these tactics
0: how are you you know viewing things like measurement because on linear tv mm-hmm. the buyer knows ah i bought this show i know exactly you know the mm-hmm. rating points that i get it depends on which which currency mm-hmm. they're using but it's all fairly well-known and simple. Mm -hmm. I understand it's a lot tougher in the CTV world. What Mm -hmm. what exactly is the problem?
1: Yeah, it is a lot tougher. We're relying on some of our our third-party partners to help us with things like measurement, reach and frequency, um, understanding the audience set. So that's definitely something that we're working hand-in-hand with a lot of our brands on too, and kind of learning with them as we go. So I think as the industry continues to evolve and get a little bit more sophisticated, also as we start to see some of these linear dollars shift into the CTV space, um, we're gonna be able to tackle some of these problems such as addressability Mm -hmm. and understanding who the Demographic is that are seeing these spots
0: now. How does undertone add value Mm -hmm. to CTV? Because it sounds like, well, you just you know you could run a video Mm -hmm. just like you run on linear TV. So, how does undertone play a role in, in this emerging CTV world?
1: we can run standard ctv video like anybody else of course but where we're really making a difference is taking our expertise in high impact creative and bring that to the largest screen in the house so we have one of the most sophisticated ctv suites in the space it starts with our branded ctv which allows our brands to create a beautiful branded canvas around their video spot for you know fluency and brand recognition throughout the entire spot one of my biggest pet peeves i would say is when you're watching a tv spot and you're like who is this ad for? It's been 10 seconds, 15 seconds. I still don't know if this is a brand or an ad for one brand or the other, but allowing this branded canvas to be prominent throughout the entire brand experience allows for that for your brands to be front and center throughout the entire of the, the ad experience. We're then taking it a step further with interactive CTV. So that same beautiful branded canvas, but of things like utilizing your remote to actually experience, you know, different elements of the creative. So carouseling through different products or actually, you know, watching different videos, you know, telling more of that story.
0: Let me get your attention on another area. Um, Mm -hmm. What used to be the sleepiest area in advertising was out of home. Mm -hmm. Like I remember a private equity company that I used to work with, they had to sign contracts that their fund wouldn't invest in Mm -hmm. out of home. They literally had to say that. Mm All of a sudden everyone's talking about out of home what happened
1: So this is really, I would say, with the emergence of technology and kind of ways that we're able to take this an extra step with digital out of home, we're gonna see this as a huge growth area in 2023 and beyond. So this is really the last mile of the consumer journey. You've already reached them on CTV. You've already reached them on their phone with those kind of upper funnel or mid funnel consideration tactics. Now let's reach them when they're in the final step of their purchase. So for example, you're walking to the grocery store and you see an ad out front for your favorite cereal that's on sale, that's gonna be top of of mind and allow them to make that kind of final step in their purchase journey. So we're investing heavily in this space and we're creating partnerships with some of the leaders in this space too but to take, again, our high-impact creative experiences that have existed for many, many years in display, online video and CTV, and now bring this into the out-of-home space. So more to come on that front. Stay tuned for some really exciting things that's coming from Undertone in 2023 on this on this avenue. Yeah,
0: great area. I saw at least one group said that it's growing about 10% a year, mm-hmm. which is significant growth. So mm-hmm all of a sudden they said everything's changing what do they say what's that movie about everything's changing all at once mm-hmm. it feels like that's what's happening in the ad tech industry and mm-hmm. certainly um, digital out of home mm-hmm. seems to be in that let's talk about another emerging area again along this notion of everything seems to be changing so undertone mm-hmm. has been advertising quite a bit about its activity in sound mm-hmm. now advertisers always talk about ad copy being critical they talk about mm-hmm. Clearly, the quality of a display or or video being critical, but no one talks about sound. Mm-hmm. So, can you sound out about that? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that, Nicole. You have to forgive me.
1: Dan, I think this is one of our favorite topics: is talking about sound because, as you as you as you mentioned, you know, there's something great about some personalized ad copy and beautiful imagery, but we're really missing a key sense when engaging our consumers in the digital ecosystem and that's sound. Um, I think some of my favorite memories also have a key sound that are tied to them. My honeymoon in South Africa, there's really just you know something that always brings me back to like the sounds of the jungle coming alive at night or specific songs that remind me of, you know, good times with good friends. So how do we bring that same type of sensory experience into display advertising? And that is binaural sound. Um, so binaural sound is being able to take 3d sound and create an experience that is truly immersive within the ad experience so let's take a tourism client for example you know we'd love to drive users to a specific beach down in florida how do we really get them to take that extra step and that's maybe creating a, a sound experience within the ad within the ad that mimics the the crashing of the waves or the sounds of the birds chirping in the morning or the sounds of sunset um, so that's that's something we're exploring in a lot of our high impact display and seeing a lot of success with is creating this really immersive three sixty experience that's able to get your brand remembered and also actionable.
0: Wow, do you have to have a lot of expensive equipment to to hear that the quality of that sound?
1: No, this is something that we're doing in house with our creative teams. It's really incredible how we're able to take and create certain sound bites that are able to, you know, mimic these experiences. So this is something we can do. Creative's added value for every one of our buys. So for us it's it's just, you know, an added part of the campaign.
0: What about the user, though? Do I have to get expensive headphones? What do I have to do?
1: No, this exists, you know, through the speakers of your computer or also in your, your headphones, your AirPods that you're using right now. So we've created this experience to really mimic what that feels like in that 360 experience and equipment that you have readily available right now.
0: Wow, I guess all that's left is smell and and touch. I don't know how i are going to... I guess Undertale will come up with something on that too.
1: (laughs) Smell, stay tuned for smell. I don't know what we'll be doing there, but you never know. Yeah,
0: fascinating. Mm -hmm. Let's really now get into the the, the future, because we've been talking about some of the trends that we're seeing, but now let's get really creative, Mm -hmm. and get your opinion on a few things. So I cannot go an hour without seeing something on chat, GPT, Mm -hmm. or other generative you know, uh, artificial intelligence technologies that are emerging, it looks like from everywhere, mm-hmm. in creative, in search, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Clearly, it's gonna have an impact on everything, but I'm curious about what you think is going to happen in the advertising industry as a result of generative AI.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, ChatGPT is a revolution right now, and I think we're really seeing the next version of the browser kind of being born before our eyes. So this is gonna be a really interesting, I, would say exploration area for us this year too just the ability to create you know multiple versions test creative build videos in a matter of seconds there's just going to be so much efficiency and also new creativity that comes out of using this type of technology so i think it'll be really interesting to see how our teams are able to tap into you know a lot of these capabilities and also even flex our own creative muscles just based on some of the you know personalizations and versions that we can get from something like a chat GPT, um, or this kind of personalized AI. So it's it's definitely a really interesting frontier and more to come on this front too. I know we have a lot of, you know, eyes internally on ways that we can continue to evolve this and build this into our brand campaigns and and create these really personalized and also innovative solutions.
0: Other things that are emerging, there's a lot of talk about, you know, certainly the, the generation, Uh, that's really graduating today talks a lot Mm -hmm. about purpose Mm -hmm. as being part and parcel to why they come to any job Mm -hmm. at all.
1: How is the ad tech
0: industry responding to the whole area around purpose-driven advertising and, and purpose in general?
1: Absolutely. I think especially with this new generation, there's going to be a huge boom in purpose-driven advertising and brands finding new ways to approach this. I think one thing that we've learned just kind of in our research is it doesn't have to be one or the other. It doesn't have to be purpose-driven ads or product-driven ads. These two can live kind of simultaneously and you can have purpose-driven campaigns that also sell your product. So consumers are going to be looking for two things. They're going to be looking for authenticity. So brands that do what they say they're going to do and feel honest and they're also going to be looking for alignment in brands that share the same value and same, uh, you know, involvement in charities that they do too. So I think it's going to be really interesting for brands to take some of the things that they're already doing in this space, but then making it a little more consumer-focused and consumer-driven. Um, another thing too is just investing in, you know, publishers that are minority owned, women owned, LGBTQIA plus owned. This has been a huge focus for us. And one of my favorite initi- initiatives at Undertone is our Uplift Collective. So we've actually built a subset of our publisher network called the Uplift Collective, which is only comprised of minority owned, women owned, or LGBTQIA owned uh, publishers. This allows them opportunity to, you know, get these demand opportunities that they're not seeing, maybe because they don't have the sales teams in place, or maybe because at their sites don't yet have the tech to support some of the ad formats that are our our brands are looking to spend. So we've been working hand in hand with these publishers, you know, investing back in them, helping them monetize their site, but also bringing our clients opportunities to invest in these guys within one place is, you know, typically in the past, it's been pretty difficult to go one by one to a lot of these smaller publishers.
0: So in addition to driving revenue, which you clearly Mm -hmm. are doing, by sending advertiser dollars to their sites, are you helping these uh, owners in any other ways besides just clearly an valuable revenue source?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Our publisher team and our operations team is working hand in hand with these publishers to ensure that their ad st- ad stack is set up to be monetized in the most uh, I would say efficient way. Also, working with them to monetize their site in different elements, you know, rework their site to be you know brand friendly and consumer friendly. So we're not just working with them and, and giving them revenue opportunities. We're actually working hand in hand with them to make sure that they're in a position to continue to monetize their 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 efforts. Wow.
0: Priming the pump and then helping maintain. That's really remarkable. That sounds Mm -hmm. like an opportunity to create, not just a moment in time, but intergenerational Mm -hmm. wealth, which is really making a change. That's a great, that's a really a fabulous initiative and I hope the Uplift Collective continues to do really well. Well, Nicole, it's been absolutely great chatting with you about the industry trends and what we're seeing. And I think this was definitely educational Mm -hmm. for people who were watching it. I want to thank you so much for joining me today in this conversation of ad tech talks by Parion, And uh, good luck to you in everything that you do. Good luck to you with your continued Mm -hmm. growth. And we'll see you once again on one of these uh, podcasts. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Dan.